Okay, so myself and past guest and friend of the show, Bernard Smith, in our last two conversations, I believe, the notion came up, this idea of generating the circumstances in which success can happen. Okay? And, or the conditions, should I say, generating or creating the conditions which will allow success happen. That's essentially the, the, the details of this and the details of everything that I say. Never get too hung up on the specific words that I use or even the sentences that I use. The details of what I'm of anything that I'm ever talking about is all it always pales in insignificance in comparison to the sentiment. Okay, the gist. That's all that you ever really need to take from anything that I ever say. But anyway, so I want to give a more concrete example of. Uh, how you can do that and I just stumbled on one very recently and I just think it's great I think it really encapsulates this idea of creating the conditions for success so before I even tell you what I've done I need to tell you a little bit about foxes so foxes I was out walking recently we have a, an abandoned railway a couple of fields behind my house and it used to service Tara mines to Kingscourt or whatever it's, it's long been disused but anyway I walk down there because it gets me away from the of my fucking road and I walk down there I get a bit of peace and quiet and it's it's great but I bumped into a guy down there and got chatting to him he had two gun dogs with him and I was like oh you know do you shoot do you blah 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 just chatting away and it turns out that he's a member of the local gun club and I burnt his ear off or he burnt my ear off or we both burnt each other's ears off for the best part of an hour and a half and I was quizzing him on all sorts about, you know, gun ownership and licenses and the practicalities of it and the cruelty of it and the ne- the necessity of it and, and all that jazz. And I know a lot of people might hear, oh, gun clubs, you know, fucking wankers out shooting animals. But it's by no means all bad. It's most likely by no means all good either. But just to give you a maybe a little bit of an insight, if it wasn't for the fishing clubs in Ireland. There wouldn't be a fish left in a river, lake or stream in the country. It's thanks to fishing clubs that we have wildlife in our fucking waterways. If it wasn't for them, they'd be just polluted to bits by businesses and domestic waste and all that jazz. And I'm not going to get into it. I'm going off on a tangent of a tangent already. Look, gun clubs have their purpose. They're not perfect. But anyway, was chatting away to him and... uh, I was asking him, obviously, you know, what did he shoot and what didn't he shoot and why and where and how and all the rest of it. And to cut a long story short, he told me that foxes, not only do they shoot them all on sight, but that they're deemed as vermin. They're classified as vermin. And there are incentives to kill them. Now, you have to be part of a gun club and all the rest of it. I don't think there's a, a civilian element to this, an individual element to this. But I believe they collect their tails. So... They shoot them, cut the tails off. I'm not entirely sure how they dispose of the actual body of the of the foxes. And for X amount of tails that they can produce at the end of the season or whatever way it works, there's grants. It's, it's mad. Now, again, I don't want to get too deep into this because I don't know anything about it. I have the most shallow of understandings of, of, of that aspect of it. But anyway, he got me talking about foxes and all the rest of it. And I was asking him, did he lamp for foxes? Because I, I, I'm familiar with lamping, and I'm just going to explain lamping very quickly. If you shine a high beam light, like the headla- that a headlamp on a car would be ideal, or even just a powerful torch with a strong beam, 
if you walk around in the countryside where you know there's foxes and you just scan the ditches, eventually you'll see two eyes looking back at you. Now, it could be a rabbit, it could be a badger, it could be fucking anything. But if it's a fox, what the fox will do is it will gradually come towards that light. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't know if the, if the animal is mesmerized by it or what, but they'll practically walk up. like, And when I say walk up right towards you, I mean so that you could jump and fucking grab one of the things. They literally walk up right beside you. So what farmers will do is they'll go out in the back of their jeeps and pickups with a big spotlight on top of their cab, and they'll scan the the countryside until they see the eyes. I don't know if they put the light down and then it comes closer and then they put it back up. I, I'm not exactly sure on, on how it on how it works, but the fox is attracted to this light. Will walk right up to you, and when they're about five foot in front of their face, they get blown to bits by a shotgun. That's lamping basically. And I was curious as to whether or not the gun clubs did this or was this frowned upon or what the crack was. Apparently it's not. He goes lamping all the time and whatever else. But it's got me thinking. I live in the countryside and I've heard foxes. You hear them. They, they, I don't know if it's the... I presume it's the females. They kind of scream. It's fucking eerie as fuck. It sounds like a little girl screaming. That's that's what it sounds like. and Which is kind of eerie when you can hear it coming from the end of a field in the middle of the night. But anyway... I haven't heard them in a couple of weeks. I think the season for it might have been pa- been passed. I don't know if they scream when they're mating or when their cubs are around or what. I don't know a whole pile about them. But anyway, I do know that they're in the area because I've seen them dead on the road. And I've heard them. And uh, my dogs, every so often, will start going nuts at the back of the hedge. They're fenced in. They can't get out. And I'm often curious as to whether or not it's a fox that they're after smelling or hearing or searing that has them going so nuts. But in relation to attracting foxes, you can use the light. But another thing that you can do is you can get polystyrene. You know that white packaging stuff that keeps stuff from rattling around in boxes? And when you break it, it breaks apart into tiny little white bulbs that are impossible to get out of your house. That stuff. If you rub that stuff together, it squeaks. And it squeaks at a pitch that would fucking... It won't break glass. That's a massive exaggeration. But it'll fucking grain on your brain. It's like it's somewhat similar to scraping a blackboard. You're not seeing out of out of jaws. And the squeaking that it makes to a fox, at least, it sounds like a rabbit in distress. So if you squeak these two things together, you'll attract them. And then by using that and the lamp, you can actually find them. Now. I love the idea of doing that from my back garden. I have a little patio area just beside my kitchen and I would literally be able to just pull up a chair, sit down, make a squeaking noise, shine the lamp around and I reckon that there's a good likelihood I could attract attract a fox. Now, I'm not looking to shoot the fucking thing, okay? If I just got to see one, I think that would be the coolest thing in the world. And this idea of making the squeaky noise and shining the light, like I, I have a, a torch with a beam on it and, you know, packaging comes in the house all the time. It wouldn't, it's not, it's not, polystyrene is not hard to get. And for the last number of years, I've had this idea bubbling in the back of my mind that wouldn't it be cool to make that squeaky noise and then shine a lamp and just see if you can actually see a fox because I just think seeing a fox like that would be just the coolest thing ever. But I've never done it. But you know what I did this morning? I went and I got some polystyrene and I got my torch and my torch is currently charging and I have the torch and the polystyrene beside my back door. And that is creating the conditions for success. 
that is what I opened this whole episode about. That's how you make these things happen. By creating the environment whereby it can happen. Because it's happened to me a thousand times. I'd be sitting down watching the telly and it might be a nature documentary and there might be a fox in it. And I go, the fucking polystyrene in the lamp. Jez, I must do that. And I'd be thinking, oh, I think the lamp is in the... I think the lamp is in the van and there's a bit of polystyrene. Is there a bit of polystyrene in the recycling bin? I don't know. Ah, fuck it, I couldn't be arsed. But now that they're there, it's not to say that I'm going to be out every night for the next fucking six months until I find a fox. But the fact that they're there and the fact that they're ready to go, it just increases the chance that I'm going to succeed. And who knows, maybe I do that and maybe I never do it again. But at least I've put it behind me because it's been in my head for years to do this. And I think a lot of us have these things. They're in our heads. And, oh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be nice to do. Or I'd like to do that. And it could be fucking anything. It could be playing the guitar. It could be learning a language. It could be going for a run. It could be fucking... It doesn't matter what it is. Again, the specifics of what I'm talking about. Like, this episode has nothing to do with fucking foxes or polystyrene. Okay? Or torches. Okay? It's about creating the conditions whereby you're making being successful at whatever it is more likely. Okay, so that's one example. The other example, past guest and friend of the show, Michael Keaveney, contacted me recently. And Michael basically said, Frano, I'm working for the Me Chronicle these days, which is off the Leeds local newspaper, say. And he said, uh, I'm thinking of doing a story on, you know, Irish microgreens and how you're coping through the pandemic. And I know you've been closed and I just, I want to basically tell that story. And I said, oh, Jesus, it's not... It's not a great story to tell. I mean, we opened up when they let us open there before Christmas and I worked, whatever it was, 150 hours for the privilege of being down three grand because you can't just turn on, not, turn on and off a business like that. It's just not feasible. And I was like, I, don't, I didn't really want to even talk about it, never mind publicise it in the paper because it's not a good news story. It's a fucking bad news story. And people have had it up to their tits with businesses failing and the sky falling and everything being a disaster. So I was like, ah, you know, thanks, but no thanks. But I've been flat out with the podcast ever since. And he's like, okay. And he goes, do you think there's a story in there? And I was like, well, you tell me. And I started telling him about the mobile podcast studio and how I was doing video conversations and about the bow and about the wine and about the different people that I've had on and the different topics that I've been covering and all the rest of it. And he was like, well, fuck, yeah, that sounds good. Now, Michael has since come... We, I gave him the tour of the, of the sets and all the rest of it and uh, he's since sent out a photographer and I don't know if it's going to be in tomorrow's paper or next week's paper, paper but it's going to be coming up soon. And the reason that I'm mentioning this is because Michael contacted me and asked me did, he, did I want him to do a write-up in the paper about my business? And I said no. But because I've been so fucking busy because I've banged out, I don't know what it is, is it 120 solos in the last three months? So many conversations and set up the studios and all the rest of it. Because I've been so active and because I've been so busy and because I've been working fucking round the clock on this thing, I said yes. If I hadn't have been doing any of that, I wouldn't have been in a position to say yes. So he didn't contact me because he knew I was so busy at all these different things. I said yes because I was so busy doing all these things. I wasn't that busy. I, did, I haven't been doing all this because I knew, oh, if I keep doing this, then people will start contacting me wanting to do fucking write-ups in the paper. It's not like that. I'm just single-mindedly 
going after what I want to go after and doing what it is that I want to do. And when he asked, it meant that I was in a position to say yes. If I hadn't have been doing all this, if I had it in my head, oh, do you know what I could do? I could bang out a solo every day or I could do a series on this or I could do a series on that. If that was all just in my head and it had been rattling around and then he had contacted me, I would have been able to say, oh, um, yeah, I can't do it on the business, but I have this idea in my head about doing all these things and I have this idea of a mobile studio and I have this idea of video conversations and I have this idea of, of doing a solo every day and I have all these ideas. He would have said, that's great, Frano, but like an idea isn't a story. And again, he didn't contact me because I was doing all these things. I was able to say yes because I've been doing all these things. And that, to me at least, is just a fucking perfect example of how you create the conditions for success. And on that note, I'll chat to you soon. <laughs>